Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in today. Oh, Jesus is going to talk about some good things today. Glad you're with us. We've been walking with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, kind of focusing in on just the things that he said. You know the words in red? Get a real sense of his heart, what's going on there. We've been in chapter 10 for a little while. We're going to be there today as well. Because he said a lot of things in chapter 10. He talked about divorce. Try not to do it. Children, become like them. Eternal life. Do you really want it? He talked about riches, how they can deceive, and rewards, how to earn them. Today we're still in chapter 10, and we're going to hear Jesus talk about his sacrifice and also what is true greatness. Okay, don't forget you can catch us live right now, newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook, as well as the radio. Later on, the Hope Club podcast. So Jesus and his disciples, they're walking along the road. Jesus is out in front, okay? And he took the disciples aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. So we pick it up in verse mm, 33. Jesus said, behold. You know what that means? Pay attention. Guys, what I'm about to say, don't drift off. This is important. Pay attention. But did they pay attention? I don't think so. He said, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. That's the Romans. Now, the Jews and the Gentiles, you know, they were divided against each other. They didn't like each other until Jesus came on the scene. Then they linked up together against him, the Romans and the Jews. In verse 34, Jesus continues to talk about what's going to happen. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Now, We know that the disciples didn't really hear Jesus out all the way because after he was killed, they were discouraged. Some even went back to fishing. They like gave it up. Remember the two that are walking down the road to Emmaus? Oh, they're all forlorn and down. Oh, didn't you hear what happened? Oh, Jesus, you know, they killed him. Why didn't they hear him out? Well, perhaps because Jesus often spoke in parables and the disciples figured this was symbolic with another meaning. Maybe they're thinking, oh, it's another parable. We don't get it. Or maybe they had preconceived notions about Jesus, right? Jesus, our Messiah? No, man, he's not going to die. And that's what we could be careful of too. We have to be careful that preconceived notions about certain aspects of life do not get in the way of God's truth. 
The things that God says, they can't be altered. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Boom. That's it. Sin is sin. That's it. You must be born again. That's it. There's no debating those things. There's no spiritualizing those things. Those things are real. And we can't twist them and turn them and distort them. They are what they are. So to think otherwise is to live outside of divine truth. And sadly, many people do. Oh yeah, many people live outside of God's truth. Maybe the disciples thought that the Messiah would set them free from the Romans. Oh, these Romans, we don't like them. They're bullies. We're in bondage to them. Our Messiah is going to set us free. And that's why James and John would request that they could sit at his right and left hand in the kingdom. As we will see in the next few verses, these guys are going to try to weasel their way into a high position with the Lord. Why didn't they hear him out? Maybe when they heard the bad news of his death, they shut down and didn't hear the good news of his resurrection. You know, you can hear bad news and shut down and not hear the whole thing out. I think that's what they did. See, God's plan for Jesus was intentional. His death was predicted because it was set in stone in eternity past. Jesus lived with this thought. The Old Testament scriptures revealed it. So, he knew what was waiting for him. Jesus knew the will of God. He knew the prophecies. And he knew he would die on a cross, but he also knew he would rise from the dead. Now, the Life Application Bible says, which is a good Bible. Like I always say, if you're going to buy another Bible, check out Life Application Bible. It comes in different translations, but the footnotes are really good. And there are a lot of uh, character studies, and you'll re- it's a good teaching Bible. I use it to study with sometimes. So here's what the Life Application Bible says. The Gospels include Jesus' predictions of his death and resurrection to show that they were God's plan from the beginning, not an accident. Okay? It wasn't an accident that Jesus went to the cross. It was God's perfect plan. So now, okay, here comes James and John, and they have a special request of Jesus. We're in verse 36, Mark chapter 10. Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Well, we want seats of honor in your kingdom, on your right side and on your left. Verse 38, Jesus responded, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Now, what does that mean, drink the cup? Well, to drink the cup means to get one's fill of either that which is good or that which is bad. Okay? Now, there is a cup for good. Psalm 16, verse 5 says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. That's a cup for good. Psalm 23, 5, David said, My cup runs over. Right? I like the King James. My cup runneth over. I like that. 
right? But my cup runs over. That's a cup for good. But then there's also a cup for ill. Like the Bible tells us in Revelation 14.10. For those who worship the beast in the great tribulation, you know what it says? He will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That's a bad cup. That's the cup of suffering. Now, Jesus also asked if they could handle the baptism that he would be baptized with. Now, what does the word baptism mean? It means identification. It doesn't mean dipped in water. It means identification. So he's asking, could they be identified with him in death as they were in life? Hey, you guys follow me in life. You're identified with me, uh, with me in life. That's beautiful. Will you identify with me in death? That's what he's asking. Now, you could have mixed feelings about these two disciples. You could think, number one, they were <clears throat> ambitious and they wanted to rule with Jesus after the victory was won. Or you could think, number two, they failed to understand what Jesus was saying because they shifted the conversation themselves. Huh, how about that? Or, number three, they believed in the victory of Jesus and they wanted to be where the action is. That's what they wanted. So whatever their motive was, we don't know. But they wanted to separate themselves from the other disciples. And the other disciples, when they heard it, they got a little angry. Oh, yeah? They get angry at James and John. Who are these guys? What do they think they're doing? We're disciples too. Why are they trying to weasel in on what Jesus is doing? So Jesus interjected about the difference between the world and the kingdom of God. He's going to give them a wonderful lesson about true greatness. And this is a lesson we all need to learn. He's going to speak in verse 42. We're in Mark 10. Jesus says, you know, in the world, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and they great mind exercise authority over them. So in the world, we have these bosses, right? And these bosses have power. And sometimes they exercise their power. They, they even abuse their power. Not good. And then Jesus draws a contrast in verse 43. But he said, oh, in the kingdom, it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Oh. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Wow. It's an upside down kingdom, isn't it? It's a backwards kingdom. In, in God's kingdom, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. In God's kingdom, if you want to be first, then you've got to be last. And God, you know what God does? God does the promoting. Now, there are certain attitudes that do not work in the kingdom of God. They ain't going to happen. You know what they are? One is entitlement. The attitude of entitlement will never make a person great 
in God's kingdom. That's of the world. How about this one? The attitude of being the big cheese. They're not going to make it in the kingdom. Nope. The attitude of being the superstar. Nope. Not going to make it. What does the Bible say about Jesus? He made himself of what? No reputation. He didn't come as a celebrity. Not at all. He didn't have a chauffeur. He didn't have a chef. He didn't have servants. We're going to see a scripture today that actually embodies, I believe, the whole ministry of Jesus and who he is. And we're going to get to that shortly. So Jesus is speaking, and we get to verse 44, and he said, Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. And then here's what Jesus did. He used himself for an example. See, the great thing about Jesus, right? He never asked us to do something he didn't do. He never told us to do something he wouldn't do. So he's going to use himself here. And like I said, verse 45, I would say this is the capstone of his life and his ministry. This is the embodiment of who he is. And here's what he said. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I want you to think about that. Jesus is talking about himself and why he came. He came to be a servant. And we should have picked that right up at his birth. He came as a baby, vulnerable, dependent on others. That was God in the flesh. And yet he came and he made himself vulnerable, non-threatening, right? He didn't have an agenda at that point. He submitted himself to man. He submitted himself to man when he was born, and he submitted himself to man when he died. Think about that. He submitted himself to the hands of evil men, and they did whatever they chose to do with him, and Jesus accepted it. So he's saying, listen, look at me, you guys. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to the degree that I would give my life as a ransom for the sins of the world. You know, we've got to look at celebrity ship in Christianity today. The real celebrities are the servants. They're celebrities in the eyes of God. But the guys that, you know... They live high and mighty. I mean, they were past this today. I don't know why they have to drive a Rolls Royce. I don't know why they have to have a 20-room mansion. If they're in love with the Lord, and if if they're content with Christ and ministry, why do they need those things? Why do they need servants? You know, I don't get it. Isn't that, isn't that like, kind of like how the Gentiles of the world live? We had to live very contrary to the way they live in the world, okay? And and as Jesus is saying, wait a minute, you want to be great? Then serve. You want to be first? Then be last. One of the many great things about Jesus is that what he said, he backed it up. Oh yeah, he backed it up with action, okay? Now, they're, on, they're walking down the road, right? And they're on their way to Jericho, And here comes blind Bartimaeus. 
and he is sitting by the roadside, and he hears that Jesus is coming by, and he begins to yell out for Jesus, Jesus, Master, and everybody's telling Bartimaeus, shut up. (laughs) The more they tell him to shut up, the louder he yells. You know why? Because he wants Jesus, that's why. If you want Jesus, give a yell. So verse 49, Jesus speaks, and he said, he, he calls him here. He says, come here, bring Bartimaeus here. And he said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus knew he was blind. So why did he ask, what do you want me to do? Don't you think Jesus knew? Yes. But I think sometimes he wants us to verbalize what we need or what we want. Maybe we need to hear it. That's why. And Bartimaeus said, I want to be made well. See, he was different from the guy at the pool of Bethesda. Remember that guy? The guy at the pool, Jesus said, he was lame. He said, he said, what do you want? He said, oh, no one's going to put me in the pool. He didn't answer the question. But blind Bartimaeus, he answered the question, I want to be well. I'm on. I want to be well, Jesus. I want to see. I want to see my family. I want to get a job. I want to be productive. I don't want to sit here all day, every day anymore. And Jesus said in verse 52, Go. Your faith has made you well. And Bartimaeus walked away seeing. Now, wait a minute. What was it about his faith that made him well? It was his faith that caused him to cry out to Jesus. Jesus wanted people to believe in him, to trust him, to rely on him. That's what he wanted. He wants people to believe. It's always been that way, hasn't it? And it's that way today. Belief, faith pleases God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, Jesus was certainly not one who lived in entitlement, but one who lived as a servant. That's how he lived. He served people. He came by, hey, come on, what did he do? On two occasions, he fed multitudes. He walked everywhere he went, healing children, raised a young man from the dead, caused the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. He came to serve people. And he came to serve them with divine teachings from the Word of God. Maybe the greatest way to serve someone is to give them divine truth. Because it's what we need. Oh, the greatest need of mankind. I believe this is me. I don't know. This is me. The greatest need of man. Divine truth. God's truth. And why is it so many people don't want it? Because they don't think they need it. That's all. The need hasn't arisen in their life. Or maybe they're just getting along okay. They're not like blind Bartimaeus that he said, I've got a need. And I've got a need that only God can fix. Only God. And when somebody gets to that point in life, you know what happens? God meets them. And he takes care of that need. And you know what that need is? 
It's forgiveness. It's acceptance. And it's eternal life. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's eternal life. See, that's the need that we need to recognize. We need to be hungry. You have to ask yourself, am I hungry? As I'm speaking, I have all kinds of faces and names going through my mind of people that don't see their need yet. They're not like blind Bartimaeus. And it's sad. It's saddening to see that, and we all have this, we all have people that we know, and they're just, they're at a point where, no, it's good for you, but I'm okay. It's not for me. They're blind, but they don't know it. That's the deception. This, the deception is you're lost, but you don't know that you're lost. See, when you're lost in the woods, you know you're lost. When you're lost driving your car, you know you're lost. But when you're lost spiritually, a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that they're lost. Oh, they don't care. They like where they're living. They're living lo- They're living in the land of the lost. Wasn't that a TV show? The land of the lost. And that's where they're living. And our heart aches for them. Because if they could find Christ, oh, they could find so much more. And we all know it because we have found it. So let's go back. And I'm going to read just the words that Jesus spoke. Okay. I begin in verse 33. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he'll rise again. What do you want me to do for you? You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are to be baptized with a baptism with which I am baptized? You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it's not that this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be last of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Call him here. What do you want me to do for you? Go. Your faith has made you well. Boy, some incredible scenes, aren't they? Did you kind of play them through your mind like a movie? Could you see all those things going on, being played out before you? That's the beautiful thing about the Gospels. When you read the Gospels, put yourself there. Put yourself as if you're in the crowd. You're standing there next to Jesus. And you're witnessing all these things and let it really impact your heart. That's where the difference comes from. When you let the Word of God impact your heart, you know what happens? Things begin to change. Oh, yeah. Things begin to change for the better. Maybe that change that you've been looking for will start to happen because you're letting God's Word come in. 
You're not just listening with your ears, but you're listening with your heart. And the word is going deep inside of you. And that's where it grows. And that's where it brings about great change. Next time we're together, Jesus talks about two more important topics, prayer and forgiveness. See why I like this series? Because we're just, we're highlighting the topics that Jesus talked about. We're highlighting some of the exhortations that Jesus gave to people. And we're highlighting some of the wonderful acts of mercy that he did. It's all about getting to know Jesus in a more personal way. That's what this is. That's what we want to do. We just want to know him more personally and more intimately. So next time we'll see not only what he says about prayer and forgiveness, but why he says it. You know why he talks about those things? Because he values them. That's why. They're important to him. Everything Jesus says is important. That's why he says what he says. Not like us. Half the things we say, they're not that important. (laughs) But what he says, oh yeah, it's very important. Why? Because it's divine truth. Divine truth is important. It's needed. And it's good for the soul. Think about that. That's why. Read your Bibles. Read your Bible. By the way, you can get a nice, another devotional every day. If you go to New Hope Christian Church, Swansea, on Facebook, we give you another little short devotional, help you start off the morning, and you can just sit and get tuned up. Go to New Hope Christian Church, Swansea, on Facebook, and I put those devotionals up there about between 6 and 6.30 in the morning, depending upon how tired I am. And um, it's just a great way to sit there with your cup of coffee, your tea, whatever you drink, and just listen to the Word of God. It's always get good to get started off on the right foot. And the right foot is a spiritual foot with the Lord. Hey, have I told you lately about the whole club? <laughs> Probably. Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar. Read about joining the Hope Club. You give us $3 a week and we give you a devotional email Monday through Friday. Kind of working together, helping each other. That's what we do. We help each other to grow. So I'd ask you to do that. Check it out anyway. I think you'll like it. And uh, it's important that we get God's Word on a regular basis. Oh yes, just like we eat naturally on a regular basis. We need to eat spiritually on a regular basis. Thank you for coming along today to New Hope Radio.